Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. Oh, man, what a beautiful day this has been already. And I really don't have a super long word today. Um, and the Lord has just, he says, we'll see. Um, the theme of the day has been surrender. And um, the theme of the Christmas season is surrender and giving, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And... Um, and so it is our joy to, to give back to him, to surrender to him, to give him everything. And um, so I'm, I'm going to um, dive into the Christmas story this morning, okay? We're super excited about a couple of things. First of all, tomorrow night, this is not, this is not for everyone in the room, but Dwell Team, if you are in the room today and you're coming to our Dwell Team Christmas party tomorrow night, say, hey, hey. We're going to have a fun time tomorrow night celebrating and honoring the volunteers who serve week in and week out in this house uh, to make Dwell Church happen, to make the, the work of the kingdom happen in this house. And um, so we cannot wait to celebrate you. And I just want to say, hey, if you're here and you're like, man, I wish I could go to that Christmas party. Well, in 2023, you have an opportunity <laughs> to dive in and join the Dwell team and begin serving in this house. And um, uh, we're going to do some really uh, fun things with the Dwell team next year. But um, anyway, we can't wait to celebrate you tomorrow night at 630. You got the email, so you know all the details, Dwell team. Okay, we'll see you there. Um, but this week, Pastor David and I, we had a, a kind of a little mini Christmas tour uh, we went to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then to uh, a suburb of Chicago, my hometown, Hobart, Indiana. We went to my uh, childhood church. They they just built a brand new building, and um, and we were there Friday night uh, worshiping and doing a Christmas concert there. So it was just a beautiful week. It is my favorite time of the year. Um, I love serving in the house of God, you know, I don't know um, if you were raised in the house of God like I was, but um, there's something special about uh, the Christmas season, the house of God, Christmas music, and um, so we got to do that this week, and it was amazing, and next Sunday, uh, we're going to be celebrating the season with some beautiful Christmas music. We've got a worship choir. We've got the Dwell Kids, uh, Dwell Kids Choir singing next week, so invite someone out next Sunday at 10 a.m. to celebrate Christmas with us as we worship the Lord with some beautiful uh, Christmas music. Okay, now I'm going to dive in to my message, all right? Um, we're going to read in the book of Luke today. You know, the, the beautiful Christmas story that we love to read at Christmas time is found in the Gospel of Luke. Of course, it's in other Gospels as well, the book of Matthew, um, but the gospel according to Luke um, is just so beautifully uh, shared. And, um, and so I'm going to read from, from Luke today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Luke. 
okay? Did y'all know that Luke um, is a, a, a theologian? Scholars believe that he was a physician. He, was, he accompanied the Apostle Paul on many of Paul's missions. Um, and it is believed that he was a Gentile. Um, but Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts, okay? So um, just a little bit. Uh, of uh, information about who we're reading today, okay? Um, Luke opens his gospel by announcing, he says this, he says, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. This is who he's addressing the book to, Theophilus. He says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So because I'm a little bit of a nerd, I wanted to research who is Theophilus. Um, so aren't you wondering who is Theophilus? Somebody say, who is Theophilus? I'm so glad you asked. Okay. Um, well, here's the short answer is we don't know for sure. <laughs> but um, there are a few scholarly thoughts on who Theophilus was. Um, although Theophilus's Greek name indicates that he was a Gentile, he likely had some acquaintance with Judaism and the geography of Israel. Luke chapter one, verse four suggests that Theophilus might have sought details that would enhance his limited knowledge of Jesus's life and the early church. A direct inquiry could have prompted Luke to write his gospel and the book of Acts in the hopes of influencing Theophilus toward Christianity. One scholar speculates that Luke wrote to Theophilus, a Gentile non-Christian, to show him that Christians were not hostile to the Roman Empire, as many suspected. On the other hand, Theophilus already might have been a follower of Jesus who required certain instructions geared toward new converts. Since one tradition claims that Luke wrote this book while in Greece, it is also speculated that the recipient might be a famous official in Athens by the same name. Okay, so whoever Theophilus is, I'm so glad that Luke uh, wrote this gospel to him and gave us a beautiful account, a detailed account of the happening surrounding the birth of Jesus. Um, and so... Moving on. This orderly account in Luke's gospel begins with the birth announcements of John the Baptist and Jesus. By introducing his gospel in this way, Luke sets the stage for Mary's profound assent to God's will. Luke first records the angel Gabriel's appearance to Elizabeth and Zechariah and his announcement that they would have a son, John. I was going to read the entire first chapter of Luke today, but I thought knowing in this day and age, you know, our attention span is, is quite, you know, sometimes, sometimes not, you know, we can't hang in for an entire chapter. But I encourage you this week um, to read the entire chapter of Luke. It's beautiful. So, so Gabriel first appears to Zechariah in the temple. Zechariah is a priest. And he tells him that, that Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, will have a son named John. This is John the Baptist, the predecessor of Jesus. And so um, in, in the verses immediately following that account where Gabriel... Um, uh, shows up to Zechariah, Luke then records Gabriel's visitation 
to Mary, proclaiming she would give birth to a son, Jesus. So we're going to just think about this for a second before we start reading in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Um, Sometimes God asks us to do things that seem outrageous and extreme. Has anyone in the room ever been there? Um, Or maybe he leads us into demanding circumstances because he wants to use us in those demanding circumstances. But when God unexpectedly asks us to step out in a way that jeopardizes our comfort or our life, we often resist. Anybody else in the room? My hand is up. Even when we realize he's asking us to play a role in his plan. So it's hard to imagine God making any request more extreme than the request he asked of Mary. Would you agree with that? As Mary went about what would have been an ordinary day, God sent his divine messenger, Gabriel, to announce that he had chosen her to give birth to his own son. So let's begin reading. They're going to put the scriptures up on the screen. Luke chapter 1. Starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man, which that means engaged, but betrothal was um, was not just like our engagement here. Betrothal was almost as if they were already married, but they, of course, had not consummated the marriage, but they were um, Committed, They were legally bound to one another. So Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Thank you, Lord. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So Elizabeth was not only older, but she she had not been able to have any children. And so she was barren. So, So he's saying, Gabriel's saying, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is a sixth month with her who is called barren. For, I think we should say this together. Verse 37, you ready? For nothing will be impossible with God. 
Let's say it again. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm going to say that one again. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We're going to stop right there. Stay right there. There are a few things I want you to notice about this account that we just read. The first one is that Gabriel's announcement paints a regal portrait of the holy child's future. He will be named Jesus. He will be called the son of the most high and the son of God. He will possess the throne of his father, David, and rule over Israel forever. Gabriel reveals that the birth of this child is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy pointing to the coming of the Messiah. How many know it was prophesied in the Old Testament by Isaiah, by Jeremiah, that there would be a Messiah. So all of these things that that, that the angel Gabriel said, um, Mary would have been familiar with the scripture. Mary, if you, if you read all that Mary and Joseph did, you know, they were, they were devout Jews. They, they did all of the things, um, that they were supposed to do, um, as, as Jewish people. And so Mary would have been familiar with these prophecies of Isaiah, um, of, of who the Messiah would be. So the second point that I want to bring out is that, um, that she wasn't stunned by Gabriel's revelation of the baby's destiny, okay? But her most, uh, the the question that she had was how could this be because I'm a virgin? She didn't say, she didn't ask any questions about the baby or his future, um, the revelation of who he was. But for her, the most critical detail of the angel's announcement was the most practical one. The one thing she might have had control over, how she, a virgin, could possibly conceive a child. Mary was probably the first in countless generations to wonder how this impossible event would come to be. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So these things were prophesied, but how can this be? Yet this is how God chose to bring his son Jesus into the world. The last point I want us to look at um, in this portion of scripture is that in spite of the bewilderment of this divine encounter, Mary remained composed and responded with humility, surrender, and praise. She must have known she would face public shame and scorn. According to the Mosaic law, she could have even been stoned. But even without knowing all the details, Mary devoted herself completely to God's plan, saying, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Moving to the next portion of this account in Luke's gospel Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth because of Gabriel's announcement. When Mary asked the archangel how she, as a virgin, could possibly conceive, 
Gabriel declared, and we read it together, nothing is impossible with God. He had just revealed to Mary that Elizabeth had conceived a son despite her barrenness and age. Gabriel was offering Elizabeth's situation as proof that nothing is impossible with God. So Mary was eager to see Elizabeth with her own eyes and behold the miracle Gabriel gave as a confirmation of his message. If Mary visited Elizabeth seeking evidence of God's power, she certainly found it. So let's continue reading in verse 39, Luke chapter one, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose. Now this is after right? We just read, this is just continuing. Gabriel made the announcement. You're going to bear a son. Okay. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. This is John, John the predecessor of Jesus, John the Baptist, Elizabeth is carrying. And he leaped in her womb when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I'm going to read that one again too. And blessed is she or he (laughs) who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, This is Mary's song. This is the Magnificat, as it's called. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. (laughs) For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. (laughs) He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary's song of praise. And verse 56 says, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So Mary's encounter with Elizabeth in Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy, we've got to know how many, you know, women in the room, you know, by the, by the time six months, six months, you're, you know, you're showing. So it's obvious to Mary as she sees Elizabeth that she is pregnant, that what Gabriel has said, that Elizabeth, who was of a older age and was barren, is pregnant with the son. What a beautiful confirmation. 
Mary's encounter with Elizabeth and Elizabeth's six month of six month of pregnancy confirmed Gabriel's proclamation. And Mary gained certainty about her role in God's plan. Strengthened by such divine reassurance, Mary spontaneously responded by singing praise to God. I can remember um, different times throughout our life, if I may be as bold to draw a comparison (laughs) between... Uh, what God asked of Mary to maybe some things he's asked of us. You can draw your own parallels in your own life. Um, when, when we received a confirmation, maybe it was through a prophetic word. Maybe it was through the testimony of someone else who had believed for the same thing and, and received it. Um, a confirmation of what God has, has spoken to you is so powerful, Right? And so we see this in Mary's encounter with Elizabeth. But one dominant trait stands out in Mary, and that is her faith in God. Her faith in God is evident in her humility, her obedience, and her praise. In her humility, Mary spoke the truth of full surrender when she said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She spoke the truth of full surrender in humility. We see her faith in God and her obedience. Mary acted on her full surrender. It said in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. As I was researching this, um, I discovered, and you know, David and I were just in Israel a couple weeks ago. Um, and you know, it's, it's really cool when you've been there and you can kind of get the lay of the land and and kind of imagine and know how far things were. And they traveled by foot, you know, or, or by, um, you know, donkey or, or camels or whatever. Um, but they say that the journey from Mary to Elizabeth's house was between 80 to 100 miles. So this is not just like I'm going to run over across the street to Elizabeth's house. <laughs> this is about an 80-mile journey that would have taken Mary... By foot, about four to four to five days. They say uh, in those days they would they could travel about twenty miles a day uh, on foot. And so, um, if she was in a caravan, if she was you know maybe with with a caravan, it would have taken her less time. They say about three days. But this was a journey. This was an act of obedience. This was putting action to her faith. Obedience. Mary acted on her full surrender. And the third thing, praise. So we see her faith in God through her humility to speak the truth of full surrender, to say, Lord, I'm yours. Let it be to me. We see it in her obedience as she arose and went to Elizabeth's house. And we see it in her song of praise. Mary sang a song of full surrender. 
Mary's song, the Magnificat, it introduces themes of salvation and redemption that Luke interweaves throughout his gospel, drawing heavily on Old Testament imagery of God's interactions with Israel. In doing so, the Magnificat, it interrupts the narrative and creates a pause to reflect on all God has done for his people. At the same time, the song represents Mary's expression of her deeper understanding and ongoing acceptance of God's plan and her role in that plan. Her words celebrate the story of God's redemption, presenting the astonishing events she has just experienced and the long-expected fulfillment of God's promise of a Messiah. We must be humble before the Lord and say yes. We must obey, put hands and feet to our faith. And we must approach him with a heart of praise, giving thanks, remembering all he has done and knowing that he is faithful yesterday, today, forever. What he has done only points to what he will do. (laughs) So we see the story of Mary and um, I think we can all um, contemplate, think about our own heart. The theme of this day has been surrender, has been um, saying yes. The anointing is on our yes. You know, the anointing breaks yokes. And so as believers, we all have a divine appointment. You may feel insignificant, but you're not. You have a divine appointment. We have a role to fill in the plan of God. Sometimes we struggle to discern what God is calling us to do, or we wonder whether we correctly understand his will. And then at other times, we have absolute conviction and uncertainty about our mission in life. When we do, it's probably because God has used people and circumstances in our lives to clarify or confirm his will for us, as we see in Mary's story. When he provides that confirmation, We just need to humbly surrender our desires for the sake of accomplishing what he desires. There are a few people in this book that model this behavior more beautifully than Mary. Mary emptied herself of personal goals and desires to become a vessel to be used by God for his purposes. She said, I am available. I am available. That was the title of my message, by the way. I forgot to tell you that in the beginning. I am available. We sang it today. Mary said, I am available. Just as God chose Mary to bring his son into the world, 
He has a role for each of us to play in his great plan of salvation and his kingdom being established in the earth. Our role might be big or small. It may bring attention to us or we might go unnoticed. We might go unnoticed by people. We never go unnoticed by God. (laughs) Whatever God... Uh, whatever call God places on our lives, like Mary, we must embrace his plan knowing that we exist to magnify the Lord. We exist to magnify the Lord. It's the reason you were born. So as I was setting this out, you know, I was, of course, drawing some comparisons to my own recent journey with the Lord and um, some things he's been, things he's been, he's called us to these last few years. And, um, you know, in my flesh, I only want to do the things that I'm really good at. I want to do the things that I'm an expert in. God, just, just let me um, sing. Just let me lead worship. I'm an expert. I've been doing that a really long time. But you're asking me to do things, God. I'm not so great at it. Plant a church. Wow. I love the, I love the church of the living God. I've served as a worship pastor, but I, I never had it on my vision board. I'm just going to be honest. I've never had a vision board. (laughs) They're amazing, but I've just never had one. It was not a goal of ours, or I thought one day we're going to plant a church. Had we had that in our plan, maybe I would have done a little more, um, you know, I don't know, study preparation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he starts, you know, calling, I start getting phone calls a couple years ago, um, to, to be on this, um, show. Many of you may have seen TBN has a beautiful women's show called better together. And it's a conversation of women, five women sitting in a circle. And, um, and so I began, you know, kind of being asked to do that. Pastor David starts asking me to speak every now and then on a Sunday, like I am today. And let me just tell you, I don't feel like I'm great at it. And that's not for you to say, oh, Pastor Nicole, you are. I'm not saying this for this reason, okay? A few weeks ago, I I'd come home from a very long day. I'd flown to um, Nashville to tape a day, all day long, uh, shows for Better Together. And... Um, and, you know, do you ever just have days and you just, like, you're discouraged? Sometimes it just hits you. I want to say I am married to a man who has probably only had, in our 28 years of marriage, two days, maybe, of being discouraged. <laughs> he is the forever, like, you know, full of faith, glasses half full, um, and, and that has probably been the greatest gift of God to my life. <laughs> and also an irritant sometimes. Um, but I came home from that, that uh, day of shooting, flew home, and I was like, 
man, I just feel like everything I'm doing in my life right now, like I'm not great at any of it. And I don't like that. I, I, I am like, I, I deal with the, um, the, uh, what is it? The, what word am I looking for? Yes, I'm an Enneagram one and I deal with the uh, thorn in the flesh of perfectionism and I want to be really great at anything I do and I want to see tangible results that I'm doing it well. And I just said to David, man, I feel like everything God is asking me to do right now, like I'm not good at any of it. And it's really deflating to our egos, isn't it? When we step out into something new that God's called us to and we're learning, we're just on this constant learning curve. But as I was preparing for this message today, I heard God so gently speak to my heart and he said, Nicole, you know what you're really good at? Surrender. You're really great at surrender to me. And that's all he's asking from us. Is that we would be available for God to use us however he wants to. Whether we look great doing it or whether we look like a fool. Pleasing him is the goal. <laughs> not accolades, not trophies. Although those are feel really good when we get them. But he wants us to get really good at surrender. He wants us to get really he wants us to become an expert at surrender. If he is the Lord of my life, then he has dominion over everything I have and everything I am. To surrender to the Lord is to give him access to every part of my life. Give him access. You know, when you surrender something, it doesn't necessarily mean that he just takes it. I mean, we can surrender our burdens, our cares, our pain to the Lord. And, and he, he puts his uh, yoke on us his, and, and his burden is light and his yoke is easy. But when we come to him and we say, and we surrender, we are giving him access to all of our strengths and all of our weaknesses. God, you can use my strength however you want to use it. And you can use my weakness however you want to use it. Be it unto me according to your word. Nothing given to God is ever wasted. I am available. Somebody say, I am available. I am available, God. You have access. Oh, thank you. I probably have mascara coming. I keep, I'm like on this mission to find a really good um, waterproof mascara. <laughs> I've been talking about this for like six months. Because um, guys don't know about this, so sorry for the woman speak here for a second, but 
waterproof mascara is like really hard to get off. And the older we get, you know, we don't want to like be dragging at our eyes because, you know, create lines that we don't want. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that was an aside. Um, if y'all don't mind, uh, mind coming on up, Kareem, we're going to, um, I'm going to wrap up this message and we're going to sing a little bit more of that beautiful song. I am available today. Um, I am available, God. You can have access to all of my gifts, all of my strengths, all of my weaknesses. You have access to all of me. And so here's the truth. Mary is not the only one who is called to carry Jesus. We have been invited to carry him. You're going to carry him to Uvalde this week. You're going to carry him to your office tomorrow, to your classroom tomorrow. Wherever you're assigned in the earth, we have the privilege of carrying Christ. As Paul wrote, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're going to read Colossians chapter 1. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. Verse 24. So guys, I hope you're encouraged, you know. It's not just, not just about Mary. It's not just about women today. <laughs> but we're going to read what Paul wrote. He said, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is, this is the mystery. You ready for it? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery wasn't just Mary saying, but I'm a virgin, how will this be? But the mystery is, we get to carry him? Also, Paul also wrote in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And he said, I'm going to get it on the screen. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
So this beautiful season of Christmas, when we celebrate the birth of our Savior, when we celebrate that a woman named Mary, a young girl, a teenager named Mary and her betrothed Joseph would say yes, that she would say yes to carrying the Messiah, that she with humility would say, be it unto me according to your word, that she with obedience would put feet to her faith and that she would offer up praise to God for what he has done, that he would choose to use her, that he would exalt the humble, but that's not the end because we know he came, he died, he rose again, he ascended, and then he poured out the Holy Spirit. God the Father sent then the Holy Spirit to indwell all believers that we could carry Christ in this life everywhere we go, that we could give him a resounding yes, that we could say, I am available that we would say it not just once, that I wouldn't just say it as a 16-year-old girl when I had dreams of doing other things, whatever, whatever your dreams were, maybe that you laid down and you said, God, I want to be used by you, whatever that looks like. It looks different for all of us. But that I would again, at the age of 22, would say, yes, God, I'll leave this position, I'll leave this comfort, and I'll follow wherever you lead. That I would say again at 32, God, yes. Well, I'll move to Dallas. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll follow you to Dallas. That I would at 43, uh. <laughs> along with my husband say, yes, God, this is crazy at our age to plant a church and, and we never saw this coming, but we say yes. because we want to please you. And so we're available, however you want to use us, however you want to use my, the things I'm good at, however you want to develop the things I'm not so good at. Because in my weakness, he's strong. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.com dot church.